You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Listen, we've been talking about idols and the idol of culture and worshiping the idol of culture. And we've been talking about Daniel and the three children of Israel. We know they were teenagers when they were delivered to Babylon, taken out of Israel. Israel had sinned greatly in the eyes of God. And God opened the door for the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, to come in and destroy them. And uh, it, was, it was disastrous. And he, he said, take, uh, take the choice young men, the handsomest, sharpest, smartest no, uh, ch- uh, boys uh, out of that were birthed in nobility. You know, you want to take the best of us and you bring them into our kingdom and we're going to use them. Uh, we're going to use them. And I'm going to, I'm going to use them to, to lead and to run and to, and to direct and guide things in my kingdom. And the Babylonian uh, empire was great about incorporating cultures and bringing them in. They would even, like the Romans, they would even let them worship their own gods to some degree. And so they were kind of, li- they were liberal in that sense that they would let them worship their own gods at different times, but they still wanted them to submit. And so we know Daniel is only 17 years old. The other three children of Israel, we know are younger than him. We don't know how much younger, but we, we believe they were all teenage boys. And so they come to the kingdom of Babylon and uh, they are told, you have to eat this meat. You have to drink our wine, which was all uh, dedicated to demons and idol worship. And you had to not only eat it, but you, they wanted you to, when you ate it, participate in the culture of the sexuality of the culture and all the things that would uh, indoctrinate them into things that were in opposition to the word of God. And they had to stand up to a culture. I said they had to stand up to a culture. And there was great pressure on them to give in. And we know the story. We talked about it a couple of Wednesdays ago. Daniel talked to the leader, went to his boss. He'd already made up his mind in his heart that he wasn't going to eat their, uh, their, their meat because they didn't drain the blood out of it. That was against God's word. And it was dedicated to idols. He wasn't going to drink their wine because it, it was dedicated to idols. And he wasn't going to participate in the debauchery that went along with that. And so he'd already made up his mind, but he still went through the process of going to his supervisor and saying, hey, can we do this instead? And the guy's like, hey, if, any, if you guys look worse than, than other guys and you eat vegetarian and you don't eat what the king has provided, then it could cost me my life. And Daniel had great favor with this man. And this man said, okay, we'll do it for 10 days. And that, you know, Daniel's so wise. He said, just put us to the test. Just give us a few days. And the guy's like, okay. Uh, and so he, he, he uh, did that because God had given Daniel at 17 supernatural wisdom. You don't have to wait to be 50 to walk in the wisdom of God. We need to tell, quit telling our children, our young teenagers, that they have to wait, 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 wait. Uh, you'll learn later. No, they need to learn now. They're in a culture like this that is being imposed upon them, and they need to learn now. They need to learn the wisdom of God. They need to learn the work ethic that Daniel and his three buddies had. They had tremendous work ethic. And we know after 10 days they ate that vegetarian diet, they showed up, and uh, they looked better than all the other people that have eaten the, the meat and wine and been part of all that debauchery. Debauchery is just sexual sin and everything else that goes partying, getting drunk, all the stuff they did. They looked so much better. Of course, they looked better too because they weren't drunk all the time, right? And so they weren't partying. And so, you know, they, they, they looked better. And so, man, the guy said, man, we're going to change everything. We're going to make everybody eat what you're eating. And he gained, Daniel and those other three guys gained even more favor. Why? Because they drew a line. They said, we'll work, we'll learn your language, we'll do your training, we'll make you prosperous, we'll bless you, we'll work hard, we'll work with excellence. But anytime you ask us to cross a line that violates the word of God or our relationship with God, we are not crossing that line. And because they drew the line, God moved and blessed them. We talked about the second thing that in, in Daniel 6, and we're going to back up to Daniel 3 here in a little bit. We talked about it in Daniel 6 where um, they were told, the, the other three guys were told to bow down to the image. Everybody say image. 
image of the, 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 the king. And uh, man, they, uh, they, well, no, we talked about Daniel in the lion's den. We're going to talk about that other one later. Um, we talked about Daniel in the lion's den where he was told he had to bow down and worship the king for 30 days. And he, he refused. He went right back and worshiped morning, noon, and night because it says in Psalms to do so. And they saw him doing this. And because he violated the rule, the law that said for the next 30 days, you have to just worship the king. Um, he was reported because these guys didn't like him. And we remember they didn't find anything wrong with his work. He was a man of integrity. He didn't steal. He wasn't like them. I said he wasn't like them. He was doing the same job, living in the same city, doing the same stuff, living under the same king, under the same rulership, the same form of government, but he wasn't like them. There's a difference. We live in the world, but we're not of the world, and that's exactly how Daniel was living. And so they reported him, and when he got reported, the king had no choice. He put, we remember, he put Daniel's in the, Daniel in the lion's den. The lion's den consisted of some hundreds, sometimes thousands of lions that were fed human beings on a regular basis. They had a, they had a taste for human flesh because that's all they fed them. Uh, and um, it was pitch black in a pit, in a hole, and they had to lower them down. They couldn't even see down there. It was so pitch black. And they lowered Daniel down, and he made a commitment. I'm not going to bow down and worship you ever. I did a great job for you. I have a standard of excellence that you guys can see. I work hard. I'm, I'm a blessing to you, but I'm not bowing down to this culture. And so he got lowered down. And God did not move until he got lowered down. As far as Daniel knew, he was going to be eaten by lions. But he trusted God that he was going to honor God no matter what. And somehow, some way, whether he died and went to, went to paradise or he lived that God would be there for him. And we know the story. An angel of the Lord showed up and, and shined a light around Daniel and shut the mouth of the lions, and the lions all just laid down. King ran the next day. He's like, and this guy's already got some faith. He already sees what Daniel's God has done, evidently, because he says, has your God come through, Daniel? Because he must have been used to seeing Daniel's God coming through. And he said, yeah, I'm good. An angel of the Lord showed up and shut the mouth of the lions. I'm fine. I don't have a scratch on me. And, you know, we, we know he, he got him out of there. He said, get him out quick. And they got him out, and he saw what God had done, and he made a decree. Man, you don't mess with Daniel's God. You respect Daniel's God. And then he put all those people who reported Daniel and tried to set Daniel up to kill him. They, he put all them and their families. And, and we learn from these stories that the decisions that parents can make can impact children, generations. And we all know some of us have lived that. Generational things that have happened. And so it impacted all those generations of those other men. And what happened to Daniel? Uh, God moved and God put Daniel second in charge of, of Babylon and uh, he was second in charge through a couple of different kings. It's incredible what God will do when you draw a line and say, I'll, do, I'll work hard, I'll work with excellence, I'll prosper you, I'll bless you, I'll do my job, I won't steal, I'll operate in integrity, you know, I'll do all the things that God requires of me and you require of me, except one, I will not bow down to the God of your culture and I, I will not yield. And when you draw that line, when you draw that line, God will move. A lot of times we wait for God to move to draw the line. If you go to 2 Timothy, we're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've read this before, but we need to keep reading it and reading it and reading it because it has to do with the last days. I said it has to do with the last days before uh, the rapture, there's two times Jesus comes back. One time he comes back and shouts. It says, with a loud shout and a trumpet blast. Trumpet blast and a loud shout. I believe the word he shouts is, come, come, and his people and the church leave. Churches, the buildings aren't going with us. His buildings will all be here. But the church, human beings that build the church, that love Jesus, 
will be gone. In a, in a, it says in a blink of an eye. And all the dead that have died before us will be gone first and then we'll go. And the world will be in shock. The world will be in shock. And then we know the Antichrist reigns for seven years. We're going to talk more about that in the future. And then Jesus comes back and destroys the Antichrist and, all, all, and just reestablishes or establishes his total reign over the earth and over heaven. But he says this in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 1, but you need to be aware. Everybody say, I want to be aware. And here's what you need to be aware of, that in the final days, the culture, everybody say culture, of society will become extremely fierce. What does it mean? It means they're going to try to force their belief systems on us. Right now, some of I've, I've, said, I've told you this before, I want to text thread with all these great pastors in California, and man, they, they send me pictures of them at Disney doing praise and worship with thousands of other Christians right at Disney's gate. Calling on Disney not to do what they said to do, which is to make 50% of all their characters in the future gender, you know, some other gender identity other than male or female. And they, they, in the new, new Toy Story movie, Buzz Lightyear, they added back two Barbies kissing each other in a lesbian relationship. And so, guys, that, that's what they're, uh, they're doing. They're worshiping. They're praising. They're not, they're not tearing anything down. They're just praising, worshiping God and saying to Disney, please don't do this. Please don't do this. In the meantime... Uh, Christians are canceling their trips to Disney. They're canceling things. And, you know, we can vote. We, hey, you, you vote with your feet and your pocketbook. And uh, I'm going to vote with my feet and pocketbook. As we told my daughter for years we'd take her this year or next to Disney World. And we took all our boys there. But it's a different place now. And so we won't be taking her there. We're going to vote with our feet and our pocketbook. And we'll go to SeaWorld and Six Flags and do something else. But I'm not going back to Disney. Now, what you decide to do is your business. But that's what I've decided to do. I'm going to vote. And, and Netflix right now is going broke. People are canceling their subscriptions by the thousands because of several things they've done. One of them is that series they did called Cuties where they sexualized these 10 and 11 and 9-year-old girls uh, in a series, it was unbelievable. And then they, um, now they got a documentary out about a pregnant man. I hope everybody knows men can't get pregnant. I hope you know that. But I don't know if you know that now the new emojis are going to have a pregnant man. And, and they're pushing this agenda. They don't even call it you know, birth moms anymore. Now they're calling it birth persons and birthing people. Like there's some other gender that can birth a child. And Satan's always wanting to rob the identity of, of people. He always wants to confuse and rob their identity and then remove the part that's special. So he's been attacking men for years. Now he's attacking women with trans athletes, with this uh, birthing persons. Men, women, you're special. You're unique. You do things that men cannot do. And, and they want to rob that, that uniqueness and that specialness from you. And so now people are canceling Netflix. Again, they have a right to do what they want to do. They can show all that nonsense, but we have a right to, to respond, correct? And so, um, you know, people are canceling, and they're, they're going broke right now. Um, and um, I hate to see people lose their jobs. I hate to see people, I hate to see companies fail. I, I, I'm for people. I want people to succeed and do well. But you know what? When you take those stands, you've got to live with the consequences, just like the stands I've taken and I'll live with the consequences. Just like the stands Daniel and the children of Israel took, and they'll live with, they lived with, live or die with the consequences. But it says in the final days, the culture of society would become extremely fierce. It's not just Disney, it's not just Netflix, it's our whole culture. It's the whole social media culture. 
And now California just passed through two committees, House Bill 2223, which is the same thing I talked to you guys in the church about, uh, about what happened in Maryland, which they are voting. And, you know, people say, this is political, this is political. You tell me if this is political. They are voting that whether it's for an abortion or all these other things, and then they're using this term pre, prenatal or perinatal, which means 28 to 30 days afterwards, that after a baby's born up to 28 to 30 days afterwards, they can take that baby's life. Okay? This has already happened in Maryland. It just passed two committees because these guys are now in Sacramento, out in front of the Capitol in Sacramento saying, don't, please don't do this. Do not kill our children. And so they're, they're standing up. There's thousands of them there, thousands of them out in front of Sacramento's, the Capitol. And so now, now they want to redefine that word perinatal to, instead of meaning 28 to 30 days, they want to redefine it to mean t- up to two years. Guys, listen, this culture's become more and more fierce, and if we don't stand up to it, it's gonna, they're going to do what they want to do. Now they're saying up to two years, if a child, this is, this is the law, that if a child dies, if you want that child to die up to two years old, I'm sure you'll take it to Planned Parenthood, and they'll inject it and kill it, and then they'll carve it up and sell the baby parts like they always already do, and they'll make a fortune off of doing that, and there is no civil or criminal penalty. That's what the law says. There'll be no civil or criminal penalty for doing that. No civil or criminal penalty up to two years of age for doing that. That's happening right now in the Sacramento, the capital of California. They just passed two committees because I've got buddies, pastors, that are sitting in those committees watching those things pass. This culture is becoming more and more fierce, and they want to impose uh, a demonic culture on us. And even though we work, we live, we fly, we travel, we vacation, you know, we buy cars, we function, we cannot bow down to this culture. It says they're going to become extremely fierce. So it's going to grow the, the push to concede, you saw the newspaper, some of you, what they wrote about me. Uh, you see how, you see the hatred in it, the, you know, how much they hate what I've said. And, and uh, you know, I, I said it before, I care about them as people, but I do not care what the Antichrist thinks. Not a, not a little bit. Not even a little bit. And, and so that's where we got to get to, but they're going to become more and more fierce in attacking and enforcing their agenda on us because in the end, we know the Antichrist causes everybody to take the mark, and if you don't, you die, and you have to bow down and worship the beast, the Antichrist. So this is about worship. Babylonia in uh, Babylon and Daniel and the children of Israel are giving us a, a foreshadowing of what is coming. But I'm telling you, when we draw lines, God will move. We can work. We can bless. We can be excellent. We can operate integrity. We can prosper our bosses, whether they're godly or ungodly. We can do our best to bless people and serve people. But there are lines that, that you're going to be asked to cross, and you're going to have to take a stand someday. It says, people will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They mock the church. They mock the word. They mock God. They mock and mock and mock. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. Guys, they'll be ungrateful and ungodly. I see more and more how people are ungrateful for the price our forefathers paid to have a free country. And man, with all the spots and blemishes that are on America, uh, man, I'm telling you, this is still the greatest country that's ever existed. Uh, No one else has fought a civil war to free slaves the way we have. 
I mean, it was horrible that we even had slaves, but we fought to free them, and up to a million, mostly white guys, died to free them. They're the ones that enslaved them. They should be the ones that free them, right? And it cost their lives to do it, and it should have. They should have laid down their lives for it because it was wrong in the first place. Someone say amen. But with all our spots and wrinkles, we're the most giving, prosperous, blessed, and blessing to the rest of the world of any nation that's ever existed on the planet and exists now on the planet. But yet, a lot of our young people are ungrateful and unthankful about this nation and the opportunities it has given them. Every culture, whether you come from Africa, India, Ireland, Russia, India, every culture that comes to America, Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, wherever you come from, every culture that comes here has greater opportunity and is living better. Everyone, everyone, every one of them. My forefathers come from England and Ireland and Scotland and Spain. And every, every one of those nations that have come here are living better than they ever did in their own nation. It's a land of opportunity, not a land of guarantees. No guarantees, just opportunity. Slaves rose up above, beyond slavery and became leaders. It's crazy how God has moved and inspired people to rise up and fight for freedom. And we're going to have to rise up and teach our children to rise up and not cave to the fierce culture that is, that is here and is going to continue to grow. We have to turn the tide. We need to watch our children well. We need to watch what they're watching. You know, I raised five sons here. Man, and they weren't always happy with me. I said, they weren't always happy with me. They, they didn't like daddy because daddy said no. And daddy said, you're not doing that. And daddy said, you're not staying out that late. And daddy said, I, I, don't, I don't, very rarely, if ever, let my kids ever stay the night anywhere, anywhere. Um, I, 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 daddy just, I had rules. I had, I had things that I established, and they would walk away huffing and puffing and walk back to their room, pout for a while. But you know what? I don't care. I wasn't running a popularity contest. What I was, what I was trying to do is protect them from their youth and their immaturity. And you know what? I, I gave them as much freedom as I could, and I let them, you know, do certain things. If they were over a friend's house that I knew the family, they could stay over there later. Or, you know, my f kid's favorite hangout still is Whataburger. I should own wa the Whataburger franchise here, as many hamburgers as I paid for there. Uh, and, and my kids are always really generous with my money. Like, hey, I bought I bought so-and-so. I blessed so-and-so and blessed so-and-so and bought them all hamburgers. Really? Really, Lodge? They used my credit card. I'm like, no, I blessed them. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. But you know what? They weren't always happy with my decisions and my choices, and I was by far a perfect parent, but I'm telling you, I looked out for them. I knew who they were running with. I knew who they were around. I knew what they were watching and what they didn't watch. Uh, there was things that we didn't participate in that others did. They felt the freedom to do it. I did not feel a freedom to do it. I did not introduce my children into witchcraft uh, and all the latest trends of movies that introduced our whole generations into witchcraft. I've said, you know what? I know those movies can be cool. I know they're just fantasy. I know they're this, but I also know there's some serious spiritual implications because I've dealt with witches and warlocks and people have had spells cast on them and I've seen the hurt, I've seen the degradation, I've seen this, the spiritual implications and the demonic entities that have filled people's lives and I've dealt with that for over 30 years and I'm like, we're not doing that. I know what comes with that. And so, guys, listen, uh, you're not gonna be a perfect parent, but you need to be on top of it. When they get older, they'll make their own decisions, and you can't control all of that. But what you can control is when they're in your house, the standards you set, the love you set, the joy you have in your home. It's not just all rules. There needs to be some joy in your home. There needs to be laughter in your home. It needs to be the spirit of Almighty God in our home, which is joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. 
They need to see parents, if you're a single mom or single dad, that love God and love them and serve the Lord and bring them to church. And if you're married, you need to, they need to see you loving each other, caring for each other. They might see that you fight, but they need to see that you overcome that, that you're kind to each other, that you're respectful, that you apologize and forgive. They need to see all the examples of all of that in their home so they know how to live. Because this culture is so fierce, they want to rob them of, of our faith, of their faith in Jesus. They want him to question, the reason this gender identity thing is growing is the same reason in this culture in Babylon that they wanted to get Daniel and the children of Israel to to bow down to their culture because they wanted to rob them of their identity. We know, we've talked about it time and time again, that Satan questioned Jesus' identity every time he tempted him. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God. Satan will always try to question. If he can get you to question or confuse your identity, then he can rob you of your true identity that only comes from your creator. That's God. And he can rob you of your purpose, of a divine purpose that you have in this life. Your destiny. He can rob you of blessings that God wants to bless you with and wants you to pass on. Most of all, he'll try to rob you from heaven. Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy our children's identity so he can kill their their Christianity, so he can drag them to hell with him. And we have to be alert. We have to be aware, what it said right here. We have to be aware of what is coming, what is happening, and we have to draw the line the same way these teenagers drew the line. Someone say amen. We have to continue to to bless our children. We have to continue to stand up and let them see us stand up. My children have marched for pro-life so many times and, you know, I've drug them out there and they failed to sign and they played with their friends and ran around while we were doing stuff. I just always wanted them around. They've been around when we've served the homeless. They've been around when I've picked up people off the street, took them to a hotel, paid for a meal. They've been around when we've done all these outreaches and all the stuff we do at the church. They've been at my house where people have knocked on my door at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, man, I'm desperate, crying, coming to my home and be ministered to. Uh, many, many, many times they've seen it. They need to see us living as Christians, real Christians that love God and believe in the power of a supernatural God to intervene on our behalf. They need to believe that. We went from Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to back up and go to Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. I just want you to see something in these verses we're going to roll through real quickly. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made a, what's that word? Image. Go to the next verse. Verse 3. So the seratraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered together for the dedication of the next verse. Verse 10. Or is it verse 5? I'm sorry. That at that time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in, in symphony with all kinds of music. You shall fall down and worship the gold. Next verse. Now this is verse 10. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold. Next verse. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold. Next verse, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold. Next verse, verse 15. Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the all the, the, the music and sympathy with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the, verse 18. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold. There's a word that I want you to catch. That's image. 
Image is a representation of a person or a thing of art. That's what the definition of an image is. And in Revelations, it says, I think it's 13, 15, it says there'll be a second beast and he, he will cause people to bow down and worship the image. People are so caught up in their image. Social media image. Public image. It's all about image. Image, image. What do people think of me? What's my image? And they post all the greatest moments of their life. And it's amazing to me how people get jealous and caught up with the Kardashians and these others that post all this stuff. You know, they're in the beach. They're here. And they're person that, you know, they do that lip thing all the time. And, you know, they're always posing. And it's all this, it's all about image. And these young people and some other people are caught up in all these images and all this image. And everything's about an image. They don't post the five marriages that are broken up. They don't post anything about their children that have to be brokenhearted and in a mess to be drugged through all the broken relationships and broken lives and parties and junk they've gone through and drug them through. They don't post all that, but they have an image. And the Antichrist is going to have an image. And right now he's trying to get people to buy into an image of themselves and portray an image that is a likeness of them, a representation of them, but it's not who they are. If you followed any of this Johnny Depp trial, man, you're finding out how absolutely, I mean, these are people, Johnny Depp and others, that people have followed politically, they've followed spiritually, and, but when you're listening to their testimonies and what was going on behind the scenes, it was a nightmare. They're addicted to this and addicted to that and addicted to this, and they did this, and they had this brawl and this fight and this thing. And I mean, it's, I can't even talk about the things they did to each other. They're so crazy. I mean, and his, when he's talking, he's act like he's almost like he's acting. It's an image of someone who he doesn't know who he is, and it's just, it's just wild to listen to it. It's wild. But people follow uh, We need to teach our children they're not an image. The only image they are is they're made in the image of our God. That's their image. They're made in the image of our God. We're a likeness of our Father. We're a three-part being just like He is, but we're one. And that we're made special and unique. And then we don't have to wear these masks, these fake insecure masks and fake like we're something that we're not and try to promote an image on social media that we're not. It's amazing to me when someone will show me a picture of somebody on social media, then I meet them. I'm like, man... And then my kids will show me something. I'm like, I've been to that location around the planet or in America or in the world. I've seen that. That's not what that looks like. They say, oh, there's filters and all this. I'm like, everything's fake. Right? There's so much things that are fake. The Bible says in the last days that God's going to give people's minds over to a great delusion, a great deception. What it's going to be is an image. They're going to be try to live an image. But it won't be real because they won't know, because they don't know their identity in Christ. Nothing will be real. Everything will be fake. And people just fake and fake and fake. And the only person that can do away with all those insecurities and strip you of all those masks is Jesus Christ the Lord. He's the only one. I'm a living testimony. I'm a living testimony. I had an image that I portrayed, but it wasn't who I was, and I had no clue who I was. I just played these games, this image. 
greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I gave my heart to Jesus and I, I walked out of the church and I felt more real. And the first girl I ever dated that I was totally myself was my wife. And I, I, I was like, it felt so good to know that I didn't try to put on this or act like this or be this. I just was Troy. Because Jesus taught me who Troy was. We got to teach our children that it's only through the Lordship of Christ and their relationship with Him can they ever find out who they really are. Everything else will just be an image. Daniel 3.14. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? 15. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the, all the musical instruments, the symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? You know, sometimes we feel so pushed by this culture and, and by social media and by even jobs, corporations have pushed people and try to force them to do things they didn't want to do. And they act like, listen, I have total control over you. I control your money. I control your job. Listen, that's exactly the spirit of the Antichrist. People are going to take the mark because they're going to say, you can't buy or sell. You can't work here. Take it. I'm preparing you for the days that are coming tonight. Whether they come in our lifetime or not, it's on us now. This culture's coming now. now I believe we can turn it around. But it's going to be up to us. God said he'll heal a nation if people will forsake evil, humble themselves before God. He said, my people, not, not people who don't know him. He's, just, he's, he's looking for his people to turn the nation around. And so Nebuchadnezzar's acting like, man, your God, can, I got control over you boys. Next verse. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. You know what I talked about last Wednesday? That they got fired, literally. They got fired from their job. They got thrown in the fire. They didn't just say, well, I'm going to let you go. They got fired like, I'm going to... Let you go from your job, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then we're going to burn you alive. That's fired. And they said, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold which you have set up. Said, now I'm not, we're not bowing down to the image that you say we have to be. That we have to agree that men can have babies and uh, just all this crazy stuff. We're not bowing down to this. That there's more than two genders. We're not bowing down to this. You set it up, but we're not going to go along with it. Next verse. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Seven times more. It's the number of completion, as hot as it could be. And he commanded certain, certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Next verse. He fired them. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The reason it mentions their clothing is because you know clothing's going to light on fire immediately. Fuel. Their clothing was fuel. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was seemingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God's already defending them. 
They got fired. And God's already dealing with the people that want to fire them. These guys died throwing them in the fire. Next verse. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Keep going. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Next verse. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. They had confidence in their God that could not be shaken. That's step one. You have to develop a confidence in your God that cannot be shaken. Step two, when you have a confidence, a confidence that God is with you and for you, both with you and for you, you can believe for restoration, breakthrough, and good things happening, supernatural moves of God. When you have that confidence, my question is, do you really believe that God is with you and for you? You can shake your head, but when you're in the midst of this fire, you got to believe it. When you're going to be, when you're, when you're saying, I won't bow down to this culture, and they're going to put you in the fire, you, you've got to be able to say, well, man, if you fire me, you know what? God will, God will move. I'm drawing the line. God will move. Not creating those moments. Some people go crazy and say, I'm going to create a conflict at work. No, you don't create it. This, this stuff came to them. Amen? They didn't go to them. This stuff came to them. They weren't pursuing this. It was pursuing them. So that's how it should be. If it's pursuing you, then you draw the line. And then God began to move. When you have confidence in God, supernatural things will happen. And when God restores, his restoration is always greater in quality and quantity. You need to write that down. You need to remember these thoughts. God's restoration is always greater in quality and quantity. When they came out, Nebuchadnezzar's, he's done now, man. He's seen God move. He's like, their God is the God of all. These guys are promote them, bless them. You know, he's just, uh, when God, when you draw a line and then God moves, you notice he didn't move till they got thrown into the fire. They didn't move. God didn't move till he, Daniel was in the den. God didn't move until they took the stand and ate the vegetables. God, God moved when they stood up to the culture and drew the line. Then God moved. But you have to have a confidence in order to do those things, that you have to have a confidence that if God be for me, who could be against me? You have to have a confidence that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not demons, not angels, not life, not death, not heaven, not hell. Nothing can separate me from the love of my Father. You have to have a confidence in God. Where do you get that from? You start developing it right now, every day. You start believing God and trusting God and making decisions to honor Him no matter what and seeing what He does and drawing, drawing just in your personal life saying, God, I'm, I'm going to stop doing this and start doing this. And you start moving like that and start everyday life. God trains us. They didn't just come to this this day. They were training this whole time to trust in God and believe in God. Have, have, everybody say confidence. Have confidence in God. Faith has a confidence. Now faith, faith is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence or confidence or title deed what cannot be seen. They had this confidence about them. My God is for me. I, I'm going to do what's right. God's going to move for me. Uh, you can fire me. You can do whatever. You can tell me I can't buy or sell. God is for me. God loves me. I'm confident. God wants us to have a confidence about us and that we trust him. And you build that confidence by him learning to trust you. To do what's right every day. Do what's right in your home. 
Do what's right at work. Trust God. Amen. Listen, every eye closed here, every eye closed. Uh, just to remove distractions if you want to when you're watching online. Um, you know, if you don't have any of those distractions, it's cool. But if you have kids around, I guarantee there's distractions. And so I just want you to remove those for a moment, just like in here. And I want you to consider your life. And things are happening. Things are taking place that God said would. And we're seeing those things. And we don't know if Jesus is coming back for the church uh, tomorrow, tonight, or 50 years from now. But we know things are building up to this. And we know that God loves us. And he said the day of salvation is today. Today is the day that you get right with him. Because this is the day he's giving you an opportunity. I had this thought during praise and worship that the reason God is omnipotent and omnipresent where he's everywhere all at once and knows everything all at once is because God cares for what he created. That's why he knows every sparrow that's fallen. God cares for everything he's created, and when it comes to us, it's even different. What's different about it, Pastor Troy? He's everywhere all at once, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because he's waiting for us to ask him something. He's, wa- he's waiting for, for some to accept the, them as his, accept him as their Savior and receive his forgiveness. And he's, he's available. He's, it's crazy cool how God is. He's available 24 hours, seven days a week, ready. He makes himself available. I said he makes himself, he's available right now to you. For those that are hurting, he'll comfort you. If you'll just ask him and trust him. You can't ask, doubt him. You got to trust that what he promised to do, he'll do. And there's, there's people online and people in this room that, man, you've never really trusted him to be the Lord of your life. Like you said, God, my life is not my own. You created it. You gave me a choice that I can live for myself and for Satan, or I can live for you. You said, you choose. You gave me this freedom, and tonight I'm going to trust you with it because I've tried it my way. When I realized that doing things my way, creating an image of myself and worshiping myself, my opinions, my attitudes, that I've, I've made myself a, a, a God in my eyes. And I realize in doing that, I'm, I'm really in opposition to you. I'm on the wrong side of this. And I don't know my true identity because I've never asked you. I've never chosen you to be the Lord of my life. I'm being ruled by sin and just bad thinking and bad decisions. And I'm tired. I was tired of being ruled like that. If you are tonight, just like I was, so many in this room were a month ago, a year ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, last week. And you're here now, or watching online now, man, we want to pray with you right now to get this right with God. Right now, whether it's for your first time or your next time, you're like, I've prayed and, man, I've tasted the goodness of God, but I've ran away. I need to come, I need to come back. I, I see the results of running from God. It's not good. I need him to help me. God, I come home and submit my life to you. So whether it's the first time or the next time, online, I'm going to ask you to send us a message to say, I'm praying, praying for the first time, praying for the next time. Here right now in this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to raise your hand up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God and right where you're seated. Same thing at home, right where you're at, we're all going to pray together. So online, send the message in here, one, two, three, just raise your hand and say, I'm going to get right with God before I leave here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You'll find your true identity 
find out who God made you to be. It's the only way you can. Anybody else? Thank you. You're not too old or too young. I see that hand. I see those hands. All right, let's pray. Let's pray with those online and those in this room. Let's all pray with them together. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And I thank you that you love me and you sent Jesus to die for my sins. You took my place. And I thank you. You raised him from the dead and he's alive. And because I believe that, I ask you to forgive me all my sins and I receive your forgiveness and I say to you Jesus you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life I give you my life freely and I thank you now you lead me guide me teach me how to live this life in life to the full till I see you in heaven. Thank you for saving my life. Teach me who you made me to be. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.